Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Welcome to another episode of Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. Today we have Jason with us and I'm really excited to hear his story and learn how he's taken a like very like heartbreaking and tragic situation and found something good in it. And so Jason, welcome to the podcast. We're really excited to have you. Thank you for having me. It's just an honor to be here with you guys and Again, share my story of hopefully hope and, and joy after tragedy. So I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to hear from a dad. I mean, I know you have this like incredible story, but just to hear a dad's perspective on life in general, I'm I'm really excited. You're our, you're, I think you're our first. All right. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. And I earlier when we were chatting, you were you called yourself the hybrid parent. And I I hadn't really heard that before, but I was like, yes, like that I understand. And so can you tell us a little bit about your story and kind of how you ended up creating this new thing? Yeah, that's that's great. That's why I'm here. And so where I like to start is is probably about four years ago, I felt like my life and our family's life was the life that we are meant to live because everything was going right. Everything was going good in our lives. I mean, just a small example is we are building our dream house. I was a clinical director at at a recovery program. My boys were thriving in sports and school and my 40-year-old brother finally got married. So it was like, <laughs> I always have to throw that in there. But like, I feel like <laughs> our our life, like when you get married and you pitch your life, it was like, okay, this is the life that we signed up for. And this is the life that we were living. And then it, from that moment, when my brother got married to a month later, my wife came up to me and she says, hey, Jay, can you feel my stomach? I have this lump in my stomach. And we felt it. And oh, before this also, she had lost a hundred pounds. She did weight loss surgery and she was feeling really good. So she came to me and she says, Hey, I've had this lump in my stomach. And uh, so I felt it. And I said, let's just give it a week and uh, we'll just, we'll just see what happens. So a week later, I'm feeling this lump on my wife's stomach and it had grown. And you could see the concerns in my wife's eyes. And she's like, what do we do, Jay? And I said, well, let's go check it out. Let's go talk to doctors. So we begin on this journey of talking to doctors about what was going on. So we first went to our primary care physician. They really couldn't figure things out. They actually thought my wife could be pregnant, but we'd struggled with infertility. So that wasn't really a good scenario. So 
referred us to our OBGYN. She did some scans and did some blood work and nothing came back definitive about what was going on in our life. So we we're our life was on hold as far as figuring out. I mean, we went from life's really good to life's on hold. So I remember she did a scan and she says, go home, we'll call you later. And I remember getting a phone call right before we went to the movies. And she says, it doesn't look good. There's there's spots all over your, your body, Valerie. You need to go see an oncologist that, or, or on a different the doctor. He- hematology, oncology, that one. Oncology or oncology therapy or uh, surgeon. She said, we don't want to jump to conclusions, but she would be the best one to figure this out. So again, we didn't know what was going on. We knew there were some concerns. She did some blood work. And then her her final thing was, let's get you into surgery. Let's, Let's figure out what's going on. So again, we're just like trying to figure out life like we were supposed to be happy. So we found ourselves at the hospital doing exploratory surgery. She's getting a partial hysterectomy. The doctor opens up my wife and founds this big, large lump next to her colon. She didn't do anything from there, but she closed everything up. And um, she came in the waiting room where her parents were, my sister and her best friend. And she delivered the news that began to change my life forever. She looked at me and she says, Jason, (laughs) your wife has stage four colon cancer. And I just remember that moment in my life has been a significant change where I thought, oh my gosh, I this is not supposed to happen to us. This is supposed to happen to people that have lived a long life, not people that are young, that have kids, that are thriving to do good. This is something that's not going to happen. And my mind began to race like, what? how are we going to pay for this? What about my kids? How am I going to do this all? And I think that's where my role shifted as just the dad to the hybrid, like mom and dad, because I'm going to take on all these roles because my wife needs to fight cancer. So she came to the way, the, the recovery room. She delivered my wife the news and then she left. And I just was like, I got to talk to her. So I chased her down the hallway and I said, doctor, like, how much time do we live? How are we going to do this? What are our options? And I was just peppering her with all these questions. And she stopped and she looked at me and she goes, Jason, this is really normal. You'll get through this. And then the phrase that has altered my life forever, she looks at me and she goes, Jason, cancer has a way of enhancing your life. And I, I said, I don't want my life to be enhanced. I want my life to go back the way it was because my life was good and I'm not supposed to, this is not supposed to happen to me. And um, she, she just said, you'll, you'll get through this. And that has just stuck with me and just has, I've never forgot about that. (laughs) And I've been angry about that for a long time. And and, I feel like Jason, that, that statement for sure was way too soon. She jumped the gun on that, like leaps, bounds, decades. That maybe would have been more appropriate like a decade later, but I I would be really upset by that also. Yeah, it it was very, very upsetting. And um, 
it it's done me that the doctor's supposed to build me up and stay stay in a statement like that. So yeah. I I agree in that moment, and probably later in life it would have been better to deliver that. But that stung and hurt, and uh, it was just something that I I didn't. I, you know, to be honest, I don't know what I wanted to hear at that time. <laughs> I wanted to say, I wanted to hear like, you're going to get through this. Things will get better. And shortly after that, we are giving two to three years to to get through this. And my wife didn't have any family history. There's no warning signs. 38, it just shows up into our life. And we're supposed to pick up the pieces and we're supposed to get through this really hard, difficult situations and continue to live life uh, like we're we're supposed to be happy in this in this life altering news and we're supposed to do our best. And it was just extremely, extremely hard and hardest, hardest news, hardest things that we've ever had to go through in our life. So you can imagine it's like, what do you do? Well, you just fight through and you just show up the best you can. And imagine going through this, I'm a clinical therapist, so I'm going through the hardest thing of my life, and then I'm showing up for clients in sessions and trying to be the best for them. I get home, I'm taking care of my wife, make sure she's okay. I'm taking care of the kids to make sure they're fed and they're 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 bathed <laughs> and then at the end of the night, it's just like I'm just so exhausted and and day after day and you do this because that's what you're supposed to do and i think many of us as a parent as a father as a mother it's like you do things because that's what you're supposed to do and you just put your best forward first and then you smile through it even though it's hard and difficult but those emotions just compound over time as you go through hard difficult situations yeah i me personally, I know, I can't remember if we were recording or not, but Lacey had mentioned that I went through breast cancer treatment. And my husband, like you, kind of took over everything and, you know, was the hybrid dad. He did, he went from, you know, being like the, he'd say this quote unquote, like standard working dad that was like involved, but didn't do all of the things. You know, he didn't make doctor appointments or kind of run the schedule or laundry, you know, all that stuff. But he took on everything, every little chore that was just quote unquote mine, he took over. And for a long time, I'd say for over a year, I mean, that really wears on you. How long were you doing this for, Jason? I will say this, because any going through this, make sure you check in on the person struggling, but I can't emphasize this enough. Make sure you check in on the caregiver because they almost need it almost more than the person that's going through because everybody's rallying around them Mm -hmm. and then you're just exhausting your resources. So please, your audience and anybody that's listening, please check on that person all the time. That's valuable. So again, I was given two to three years for my wife and then we found ourselves nine months later at my wife's funeral saying goodbye. And I remember we did everything the doctor asked. We are active members in our community and trying to give back. I was trying to do the best therapy. And every time we'd go have a scan, it just nothing improved. So nine months later, saying goodbye. And in in the funeral, you get a lot of love and support. But when the funeral is over, that's when 
that's the hardest. That's when you need your team to be able to rally around you. So again, if you're listening to this, the funeral's over, check back in with that person that is going through because that's when life begins to alter and change. And that's when you realize, oh no, I have to, for me, as the hybrid dad, I was like, oh no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go grocery shopping. I gotta clean the house. I gotta go school shopping. I gotta start doing all this. And that's where you begin taking on so much and so overwhelming. And even the smallest little thing to add to your plate is overwhelming. And I remember a significant event where I was trying to manage this the best I can and go to work and put on a happy face. And I remember sitting down with my son and he just says, Dad, you come home. uh, You come home angry every day. (laughs) And I was so sad to hear that, that my kids saw me coming home angry. And I was trying to do the best I can with what I had and just try to be happy. And I felt so bad that I was struggling. My kids were struggling. And I just felt like there's nothing I could do because I was trying the hardest I could to make the best out of the situation. And in this moment, I just felt helpless. And I was just like, how am I going to do this? And people are saying, well, it's just going to get better. Like, it's just have to take its time. And I was like, I don't want this. I don't want my life to be enhanced because this sucks. (laughs) This sucks really bad. So So, Jason, how, how old were your boys going through this process? Yeah. So they were five and 11. So I had two boys and they were five and 11. So it was just, they... I mean, what I notice in these situations is kids almost become a casualty because I was trying to take care of everything and your kids are moving from grandmas to this person, this person. They're seeing my seeing their mom's hair disappear, taking all the medication, and nobody really talks to kids when they're going through that. So it's hard to see them and they're just like, what is happening? So all these emotions build up and then they start acting out and it's just become what's happening on the inside so they struggled and uh they they went through it and they were struggling just like I was struggling so I I remember there was a moment where I thought like I want to show my boys how to grieve and how to live through this and do it the right way and I I just said I'm not waiting around to have things change and get better. That's just not fair for me. And that's not fair for my boys. And I just really want to show them how to get through this and how to grieve in such a happy and healing way. So I remember, and this is important for me, remember, I'm taking on this new role as a hybrid dad. And I I just said, I need some help. So I remember finding myself in a parking lot on my lunch break, and I text 13 people in my circle of influence, my neighborhood, my church group, my family. And I just said, guys, I am struggling. I need some help. And I need to kind of tell you about what, what I'm feeling and what I'm, what I'm struggling with. And they came 
and they showed up to my house and I called my own intervention. <laughs> and and I had these people sitting in my living room that wanted to help, but people want to help, but you have to tell them, you have to invite them in because what I've learned going through this process is there's a support vacuum that people want to help, but they don't know how to help. And they do, and some people don't do nothing because they don't want to rock the boat or they don't want to cause any problems in your life. And they just sit there and they do nothing. And that makes it more lonely. So if you can imagine me sitting in this circle, I call it my healing team. <laughs> we all need healing teams in our life. So we talked about how I was feeling. I pulled out my rocks in my backpack of things that I was struggling and holding on to. And in that moment, we begin to talk about how they can help me. And it was it was such a powerful experience because they could help, but I needed to tell them I needed help. And what happened is I created a captain of my team and they came up when I was struggling or when I needed the most help, I came up with a keyword and a keyword. I would text one word to our captain and the captain would send a text out to the rest of my team. And my team had specific assignments to help me when I was struggling. So like my parents, they would come over and they'd start doing my laundry or someone would take the kids and give me a break from the kids. Someone would come over and bring me dinner or someone would text uplifting messages to help out. So in that moment where I was shared how I was feeling, my team put together a plan when I was at my lowest moments, how to get through that situation. And after that, you guys, life began to be a little bit easier to deal with because I knew all I needed to do was send one word to my captain to be able to rally the troops and pull me out of that tough spot when things are difficult and hard. And I started from that moment, started to show up for my boys, not angry, maybe sad, but I shifted from angry to sad because I wasn't carrying everything. I could use my people to help me through this. And that became extremely, extremely helpful. And I, I tell people, don't be afraid to invite people into your life because people are grieving too. But if you don't give them assignment, then they're grieving. You just help them grieve through the process of losing my wife. And they're so grateful and they're so helpful to do that. And that was that that has been one thing that has helped change my process of grieving and healing because I invited people into my circle to help me heal. Now, Jason, how often were you texting that keyword at the beginning? And then how long did it take before it lessened? You know, I I think after that moment of talking to people, people were just it was like giving them permission to text me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to use it as much because they were checking in on me and they were making sure that I was okay. And they would just drop by to make sure I was okay. So I, I think I used it a couple times at the beginning. But again, because I was vulnerable and talking about how I was really feeling, it gave them permission to check on me without rocking the boat. I said, check in on me. Tell me, do it. Uh, 
saturate my text and that just gave him permission to help me. So, yeah, that's so important that you give someone direction because everyone that loves you and is in your life wants to help you, but people really don't know how and they don't want to step on any toes and they don't want to bother you. But I mean, how many times before you had a team and you had an action plan, did people say, let me know if you need anything? Well, surely you didn't let anyone know you needed anything. And then you, you know, try to stand it. Crystal, I I don't like that phrase. I hate it. Because people would come up and, and, and I got really good at, at helping them move along. But if people said that, I would say the right answer that they wanted to hear. And almost I was testing the person if they're going to sit there and they're going to say, no, how are you really feeling? Then I could invest in that relationship and I will open up to that person. But anybody that says, let me know what I can help with. I just yep. said, okay, I'll, I will see you later. Yep, well, on. it's not like you can say like, well, okay, stranger in the grocery store, like, yes, can you come over and do my laundry, please? I could really use help with that. Like, you're not good. Like, I mean, it's not, yeah. It, I don't you, think people it's not really, have, <laughs> I don't think people have the ability to, when you're so at this emotional level to be able to, to think what you need because you're, you're working on so much and mm-hmm. to add something like, hey, actually, can you come over and sit with me for a couple hours and talk about my emotions? Like, right. you, you don't have the ability <laughs> to share that. <laughs> I had a friend and before all this happened to me, I'm sure I said that to people. Let me know if you need anything. I'm sure I did. I don't remember. But and then going through it and realizing how like worthless that statement is. I had a friend recently in, in a crisis and I text her hey, I'm at the grocery store or I'm heading out to the grocery store. Let me know what I can pick up for you. And she was like, oh, okay, X, Y, Z. Like then done. Like you almost have to like, just put it out there. It's so hard mm-hmm. for people to ask for help. You you got to almost be proactive and look for an opportunity and just do it. Yeah. And, well, the last just- thing like you need <laughs> in that moment is to come up with a job for them to do. It's like, okay, let me think. What's an appropriate job for this relationship (laughs) that I have with this person? And let me come up with a good job for you so then you can feel good about helping me. Like that that just adds more work. Yeah, it's like, are they dirty underwear friends or are they more (laughs) like grocery delivery friends? Like how close are we? (laughs) Too much. I mean, it could be as simple as I coach people and tell them how to do this is, you show up to the person or you say, hey, I want to take you to lunch. Is Tuesday or Thursday best for you? You don't give them, hey, when we go into lunch, you don't give them that option. You give them an an easy choice and then you go and do it. Mm -hmm. So you make it easier for the person grieving and you just create a a situation where they can talk and you can sit with them and you become an ally with them when you just sit in their emotions and whether they cry or whatever, you you just sit in with them and they become such an important part of your team if you're able to do that with those people. Yeah. So I, I from here, like what I came up with in that healing team, I was in the position where what I was doing was I was operating on sad memories and grieving memories of cancer treatment and losing my wife. What I noticed with me and my boys is it wasn't sustainable. And that's what was making me really sad. So 
I ended up quitting my job uh, as a therapist and I and I took the summer off so that I could dedicate happy creating happy memories with my boys. And what we did is we sat down at the kitchen table and I said, dad's home for the summer. We're making a bucket list and we're going to go make some happy memories. So we sat down and we made a list of memories and things that we wanted to do. And we wanted to create a connection to people that will help us heal through the process. Because what I found the opposite of grieving and loss is connection. And when when you go through a hard time, you people just disappear and you're you're struggling all alone. And that's the hardest thing. So I needed to connect to people again. And and these are things like we went fishing, we went um horseback riding, we rode in a, a private airplane. Like it was simple and it was easy, but it was again, we threw it out on Facebook. We invited people into our healing circle and they could check in with us. They could check in with my boys and my boys could have fun and that we began to heal together. And it was, it was a powerful experience. And I almost think it was therapeutic. Well, I know it was therapeutic. I can say that because I'm a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my, and my boys began to get happier and healthier because we were connecting and having happy memories. And it was just, I was like, okay, I can do this because I'm inviting people in. And when my strongest days, I can link arms and they can carry me through. And that was my peace and my comfort I needed to give me permission to start healing and moving forward. And going school shopping, I knew I could get through it because I could get on Facebook and I could say, hey, moms. Where's the best place to shop? And oh my gosh, I get floods of floods of information. Or I said, how do you do this? And I, and for me as a male, as the hybrid dad, I learned it's okay to ask for other moms that are doing it. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they, they, they got it figured out. And I just go and ask them. And, and I became part of this circle and I almost felt like I was deeply connected to them because I was willing to say, I need help or I need something at Costco or where do you pick up this? And it became such a happy experience. And again, I was inviting people in. They would bring that Costco item to me and they could say, hey, Jason, how are you feeling today? Like, what are what's going on with your boys? And again, it gave me another opportunity to talk and share about what's what's going on. So it's 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 about reaching out and speaking. Vulnerability invites vulnerability. And as you share that, you invite people in your circle of influence that can help heal you. Wow. So did you go back to work after that summer? That's that's funny you asked that, Crystal, because <laughs> like the summer got done. And my kids went back to school. And I remember like, I remember on my porch, all the kids are going to school and I begin to start crying. And I was like, so this is what it's like when moms say goodbye to their kids. But inside I'm like celebrating, like, yes, I'm going to have freedom. And, and the stressors of like trying to plan out their schedule and all the routine like lifted from me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what the moms are talking about. <laughs> I was so <laughs> happy. <laughs> it's beautiful. 
All these snow days are, are getting to me over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she needs to go to school. Yeah, so at the end of the summer, I went back and then I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? Like, So I began to look around and and look for a job that was going to work for me and the culture that was going to help me heal. And that was valuable for me because I was committed to being happy and healthy. So, but going back to one of those items on there was we wanted to have a lemonade stand on the bucket list and raise money so that we could raise and make a sunshine bucket and go deliver it to people that were struggling or lost a loved one because someone did that to us and we just wanted to pay it forward because that helps you heal and that helps you get through a difficult time by paying it forward. And by the time the, the lemonade stand was done, we had $1,500 <laughs> that what we it's did. It's a very successful lemonade stand. <laughs> yeah, I just people are so great and so giving. And mm-hmm. we, we took that money and we created 25 baskets and we began to go on this journey of delivering them to people that were struggling. And we noticed that we could forget about our pain by going and helping someone sit in their their discomfort and grief together. And I could walk them through the next couple of months. My boys could talk to their kids about how, what it's like. And it became a healing process that we began giving these boxes and baskets to people. And it became a way of life. And what it also did is we would start looking for yellow things to go in these baskets. And I noticed my boys begin to go to the grocery store and they begin to look for stuff and like, hey, we need that for the basket. This is gonna be really good for this family. And they begin to teach themselves how to look for happy things and how to look outside of themselves. And I noticed they began to be happier as well. So paying it forward and doing service is such a good way of grieving and healing or going through any kind of difficult moment. It allows you to get an emotional and mental timeout from what you're feeling and be able to enjoy and celebrate someone else's life. And it gives you a temporary timeout to help you feel better in those moments. I love that. What what's in your like what was in your first sunshine basket? just a bunch of yellow we had a yellow blanket we had glasses we had candles we had one had some fake mustaches and coloring books (laughs) and just things to just make you smile and be happy again it was just it, it just became a way of life for us of helping people and be excited to deliver the baskets so yeah and 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 what was awesome well not awesome at the moment but As I posted these on Facebook and share what we're doing and just uplifting messages, I got a couple posts from people across the country. One was from Virginia, and she's like, I want a sunshine basket. And I was like, how in the heck am I going to get one there? So so I, I created a box, and I loaded it up with sunshine stuff, and I shipped it out to her. And she called me, she was crying. She's like, thank you so much for thinking of me. And then I was like, okay, I guess people all around need sunshine and people are going through hard times. So we started sending these out and 
helping people across the country. And today we're in 24 states of people that got sunshine boxes because I know, mm, wow. I, I know people are struggling and people need help. And um, to be able to do this is such, such brings me such peace and comfort. And um, I, I know what it's like to feel that. And I know what it's like to feel alone. So I didn't want them to experience that. So I, I just keep doing it because I want, I don't want people to suffer. I don't want people to go through that for a long period of time. So so Sorry, how I'm, many I, baskets <laughs> have you sent out? I know, Jason, this has been a very, Hard. you've been very vulnerable with us and we're really grateful for sharing your story because this is, it's very powerful and it, it goes into like, to get to the hope part, you got to, to get to the hopeless part first, and then you, you build to the hope. Yeah. And so I really love the way that you're walking us through this journey but I'm curious, no, so 24 states and how many baskets have you sent? I I was trying to count. I, <laughs> I, at least I have no idea. I I just I it's well over a hundred, like like it's it's crazy. I just I can't I can't put a number on it. And I mean, I went down to St. George and spoke at a conference and we put together 50 boxes um, at that conference. And that was in the, the beginning of January and those boxes are already gone. So it's just, I'm well over a hundred boxes, whether I've shipped them out or where I've hand delivered them to them. I'm well over a hundred box at least, maybe even more. So that can't be cheap, especially to ship. Shipping costs a lot. How do you, how do you get funds for your, and do you have a name for it or it's yeah. just, I yeah. mean, it's, it's giving sunshine, but at the beginning I was just getting donations from people doing a lemonade stand and donations and people were just so great to rally behind our cause and to see our, the families we we're helping and, and P and I was getting funding from people that would just donate and help out. So it's, it's made such a difference The the person that was, his name's Wyatt. He's been a huge support and has walked through every step of the way. He came to me and he says, Jason, I love, love what you're doing. And I, I want to be able to help more people. He says, I want to create this on a bigger scale so that we can provide more of these baskets. So we started a company called Giving Sunshine. And um, again, I, I'm doing this full time and we're trying to get the word out of what we're doing. And we're actually gonna launch a Kickstarter to have people get behind us so that we can provide more support help to other people. At the beginning, this was just yellow fun stuff, but what we've done and taken my therapy background and helping people is we've made tools to be able to help people. And one of the tools is we we have a deck of support cards, <laughs> so you grab you make your you make your team and you give them that deck of cards, and the deck of cards is is will it will their therapy questions that you're going to ask that person struggling, and it coaches you what to say and help them through that process. So oh, it, that's we, fabulous! That's so awesome. 
we take the hard work out of those people that struggle and you just follow this card and you become their support through them. So that's, that's just one. And we put together children's books to read with your kids and it opens up dialogue and helps you to have conversations with them and allow them to ask those hard questions. Because like I said, kids become casualty of trials and, and trauma and, and you want to talk about things openly at the beginning, because what it does is it allows you to start the therapeutic process early rather than waiting for the right time to get them into therapy. And if you do this at the beginning, the therapy experiences won't last as long because you're not going to have situations build up over time. You're going to start on those emotions and you're not going to have to process those emotions at the end of the the difficult situation. So, just just it, I mean, what we want to we it, I call it therapy in a box, or it's more than a gift box because it helps people be happy and it helps people heal for a long time. Not just a band aid or just to feel good. It helps people like heal for a long period of time. If someone wanted to gift a sunshine box or someone wanted a sunshine box, how would they go about that? So right now you can get on givingsunshine.org and um, reach out to us that way. And um, you can see our progress and what's going on. Our boxes aren't like ready to ship out, but after the Kickstarter, you can either sponsor one right now. Or we can, after that, we can begin start uh, distributing them. But we're in the beginning process of getting these boxes out. So I wish they I wish they were available. But like I said, if things go well and people can rally behind our cause, we already have want to create like a, think about this, guys. Like we want to create a first responders or a healthcare worker box. Like that would be just mm-hmm. killer. Or, mm-hmm. or military uh, miscarriage box. I know my partner has written a box about miscarriages. People are like, yes. you should do a divorce box. Like, it's we just want to help and bring sunshine and bring tools to people. This has That's... such a need. Our, sorry, Lizzie, I keep interrupting. Our group of moms, we're always constantly, um, this happened to my so-and-so. Do you have any ideas? Like, mm-hmm. this is a great great thing that you're doing and there's a huge need for it and I think a lot of women in our group will definitely check you out and rally behind you for sure that would be and it's more awesome. I love that it's more than just like like a gift box of like some fuzzy slippers and a blanket and it's like that it's a toolbox yeah that you're you're sending that not only gives sunshine and hope and makes you know help someone like brighten someone's day but it also gives not just that person tools, but the people around them tools on how to help them. Like there's so many layers there. And I love that. Yeah. I love it. There, so there's there's one thing that also in the box is it's not in the box, but it if you send a you have the ability to connect with other things that we're doing. We want to launch a podcast, <laughs> spread the word like you guys. And then we have right now we have sunshine workouts. So, so people can log in and they can work out with Wyatt and this group of people that are working together, but you just, just log in. And we have someone that's in recovery for over a year and a half that works out with us. 
there's a lady that is going through cancer treatment and she's working out with us, but it's just a healthy support group to help start your morning and get moving and build yourself up. And then what we want to do is I want to provide suns, we call them sunshine sessions. <laughs> Sorry, it's a mouthful, but what I what I what I want to do is offer like, I can't call them therapy, but I want to offer like coaching and therapy or sessions group where we can talk about how to get through difficult things, how to set up a healing team, how to get through grief and, and these sessions to be able to help coach them through these difficult times. And that is connected with the box. So you get all of these resources to really help you heal. So that's why it's more than a gift box. It's 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 like a way of life to help you pull you out and help you get to a, a happier, healthier place. So if I wanted to sponsor a gift box or find out when your Kickstarter is launching and kind of get on your email list or something like that, that's all on your website there? Yeah, that's on givingsunshine.org. And then there's our Facebook and Instagram of Giving Sunshine Daily. So just positive uplifting messages. You get to see some of the posts of the baskets that we go deliver to people. So yeah, just a just a happy healing, a community to be able to create like a movement of like helping people be happy. Like we definitely need that right now, just with everything that's going on. Cause I think about like, since COVID, we've been so disconnected. And remember what I said, the opposite of depression and addiction and grieving is connection. We just need connection again. This is so great, Jason. I am really, I was honestly a little nervous about tonight for me personally, just because I knew it was going to carry some weight and I didn't know if I could, how well I would do. <laughs> Yeah. If you will, but this was crystals are crier. I am a I'm a crier. Yeah. You did uh, great. I'm so I proud. Did, I cried the whole time, but still, I loved it. It was amazing. Your message is just so great, and although admittedly horrible timing as we talked, do you now see though that that statement yields so much truth that that doctor said at the absolute wrong time ever? Yeah. But now looking back, it really. <laughs> It's amazing, just but life and the ebbs I, and flows of everything. I mean, now that I look back on that thought that the doctor said, I'm like, okay, I can see really how my life has been really enhanced because of the experiences I've gone through, the people I meet, the message of helping heal people. It's just like, truly like this has been a gift. My biggest trial has been one of my biggest gifts to help me become probably the person I need to be so that I can help more people. And it's, it's just, it's, it's a hard pill to accept <laughs> to say I had to lose my wife so that I can help more people. But you know what? I just, again, I just, my message is there is hope after difficult moments of your life and you don't have to let that define who you're going to be or your happiness there is ability to be happy through when you go through a difficult time and after. And I just want people to know that because you, you just, you just want to forget about it or you just want to go into hibernation mode or what I've noticed is with males is when they go through hard emotional times, 
they go inward and they don't talk about it. They put on a mask that everything is okay. And then they go to work. And what happens a lot with males is they become those emotions build like a pot bottle. And you see a lot of men become angry and upset. And it's not necessary that they want to be angry, but it's the built up emotion that they don't talk about. And they don't want to share emotion because that is so like frowned upon by society or they don't sit around and they have conversations about how they feel. So they'll put on a mask or they'll be angry and they start yelling or start doing other things to protect their emotions because they don't want to show that vulnerability. But in my case, like that is what's been the biggest thing to help me heal whether it's sitting in front of a male and going to lunch and talking about how do I really feel or reaching out to other moms in my community. <laughs> like I, that's my community and connection has helped me heal, like sharing my heart, sharing how I feel like this is this is the strength that people need to know about. The strength isn't keeping the emotion inside and not holding on to it. The strength is talking about it and sharing your message so you can give permission for people to heal and be happier again. Exactly. That is that is such a powerful message. Yeah. We've I had I was able to hop on here and catch the I was gonna call out Eleanor finally. Lurker. <laughs> Sorry, because I was I didn't want to interrupt. This was so powerful and so amazing. I honestly didn't even want to stop you for a second because I was gaining so much from the conversation just listening and my children finally released me to jump on. <laughs> so um, I want to thank you for just letting me listen in. This was so, so incredible. And it really just, it, it's awful to say that like you, you had to lose your wife to learn this, but it's almost like maybe whether or not you would have lost someone. I think this speaks more about your purpose on earth, like yeah. what you are here for. Absolutely. And I think that you are here for spreading that sunshine and giving it to others. And if it, if you weren't here, you the world wouldn't be changing. And so I'm so glad that you're able to be here for this because I know, like we said, our platform will definitely utilize this. And I think the more the word gets out about this, you really are changing the world. And I hope you're proud of that. And even more, like you're showing your children what yeah. it means to grieve and because life's not easy, right? You're going to have yep. to go through tough times. You're going to have to grieve. It's what you do with it. And you're showing them how to make lemonade, right? Out of lemons yep. and yep. how to impact more importantly, not only your own life, but other people's lives. And that's what we're here for. So thank you for letting me listen to that. It was so, so good. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you for your words. That's so kind of you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jason. Um, it really it meant a lot to us and I'm sure our audience. And I certainly hope they head over to gettingsunshine.com. Giving.org. Close. Is it givingsunshine.org, right? We are on March 6th, we'll have .com. So <laughs> we're coming. <laughs> and our episode won't be out by then. So we're good. .com okay, yeah, you're good. You're good. You got Crystal. it all. <laughs> And um, head over and check them out on social media. You want to say your social media again one more time, Jason? Yeah, Instagram and Facebook. It's uh, Giving Sunshine Daily. That's where you can find us and join our community and see our posts and see what we're doing and positive, uplifting messages to help you your day. Mm -hmm. 
When do you anticipate your Kickstarter coming out? March 6th, finally. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so it's, it's coming, but March 6th, after we, we get the .com in place, then we're going to roll it out. And we're just hoping to look for people that can see how much uh, people need this and how beneficial it can be. So I'm, I'm just so excited and just can't wait to see what happens and see how many people we influence. So well, we really wish you the best on this adventure and adventure and you're really doing amazing things. Thank you for spending time with us and sharing your story and this has been another episode of Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. You can follow Jason on the links you just said. We'll, we'll tag it in the show notes. And you can follow us at Hey Smart Mamas on Instagram, Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups on Facebook. And you can follow us all individually. I am STL underscore injector. Ellen is at Ellen Lalletta. And Lacey is at Lacey. I screw this up every time. <laughs> Ms. Lacey, Lacey Lee. Every time I screw that up, I don't know how. But thanks for listening and we will see you next time.